That was your third game. So what's your fourth game which you like? Um... Your fourth most favouritest game. Oops, we'll sort that out in a bit. Hey guys, welcome to another Tabletop Ramble. I'm your host, Jacko. Apologies for last week, but don't worry, we're back this week and we're back to stay. Okay, on this week's show, we have in our Kickstarter kick around, Feed the Kraken, Core Space Firstborn, and Roll Z. Our main feature is going to be about gaming with kids, but before that, here's this week's Tabletop Gaming News. So first of all, I'd like to uh, give you a massive apology and an explanation as to why there wasn't a show last week. Basically what happened was, due to all this coronavirus and the UK being put in another lockdown, it meant that my work schedule was really spun around and we had to get a lot of loose ends tied up beforehand and I wasn't able to dedicate as much time as I wanted to to the show. That's the first thing. On the other hand, we've also been looking to develop a website. So coming soon, there's going to be uh, tabletopramble.com. So it's not quite ready yet, but soon you'll be able to find all the reviews, all the shows going to be even hosted in one place. We're going to have a forum on there, so you'll be able to interact with each other. So big plans what are going on there. Also, I'm delighted to say that we've got Adam Boys who's going to be joining us. And he's going to have his own page on the website. And Adam is a real RPG specialist, which is one area that I must admit is one of my biggest uh, deficiencies when it comes to tabletop gaming. But Adam is an absolute expert and he plays all sorts from obviously your D&D and all these obscure ones you've probably never even heard of. He's also created quite a few RPGs of his own. So when it comes to RPGs, Adam is a guru. So we're delighted to have him on board. So fingers crossed you forgive me and hopefully that little bit of news makes you uh, forgive me even more because you know that you're getting more brilliant content coming your way. <laughs> Uwe Rosenberg, he's bringing out another game. This one is called New York Zoo. Uh, it's another one of those Polyonimo style games where you're laying the sort of Tetris type tiles down. So yeah, you're going to decide whether you need to build the pens or increase animal population. One thing I really like, it's got some really nice animal meeples in there, things like penguins and flamingos. So yep, uh, looks pretty cool. So Blizzard is one of the biggest video game developers. They've done several titles such as Warcraft, 
Diablo, Starcraft, Overwatch. They really have been at the top of the game. Anyway, some of their uh, head honchos, they've jumped ship and they've opened up a, a new company called Warchief Gaming. Now, you might be wondering, what's this got to do with tabletop gaming? Well, they've decided to step away from the digital world and they're coming to the tabletop world. Now, this is really exciting for me. So, Chris Metzen and Mike Gilmartin, they've got a combined 50 plus years experience in creating different worlds. When I listened to the interview that Chris and Mike gave, it, you could see the the enthusiasm they had and the fact that they was almost returning to their first love of tabletop gaming and it was bringing back all the memories from when they were like younger, going back into the 80s. I think uh, Mike himself said that it's really rekindled a passion within him and they're just really keen and eager to uh, create new worlds. So I'm expecting to see some amazing products coming from these guys. By the looks of it, they're going to be focusing on RPGs and uh, miniature war games. But at the same time, they have mentioned board games as well. So, yeah, it could be a triple threat. And I'm expecting big, big things from these guys. So, yeah, they said they're going to do some more announcements in the up and coming months. So, yeah, this is definitely going to be one to watch. <laughs> Time Stories is releasing its latest uh, in the line. So this is the new Blue Line series, and they're releasing Midsummer Night. Time Stories is an absolutely brilliant game, and it's all, all about time travel and problem solving, and you're trying to solve mysteries. I really enjoyed the previous edition, so uh, yeah, this one could be worth a check out as well. If you've ever had the problem where you're thinking, hmm, am I showing my true level geekiness? I've got me uh, Pokemon hat on, check. I've got my Star Trek t-shirt on check i've got my star wars wife fronts on check i've got my minecraft socks on check well what am i missing well you can now be truly geeked out head to toe and as my day have announced that you can now get some uh Catan shoes um yep you heard that right so on their uh, aconite site as day have teamed up with Plainview, and they're bringing out some settlers of Catan shoes um, yeah, so there you go. Um, you might want to get them, so I thought I'd put it out there for you. One of my favourite deck building games, Legendary, is going to get another expansion for the Marvel series. Uh, so this one is called Realm of the Kings, and this is based on the Inhumans. So... If anybody's familiar, you'll be able to play new characters such as Black Bolt and Medusa. It had a recent TV series, which I quite liked, I must admit. So, yeah, I might be looking to pick this one up. And finally, I received a really cool email from the guys at Feedspot.com. Basically, these are guys who go around having a look at all sorts of different media and podcasts and YouTubes and things like that. Um, so we were selected by their panel. And we are now on their top 40 list for uh, best tabletop gaming podcast. This is amazing. So it's really nice uh, to have a bit of recognition for all the hard work that we've been putting in. And uh, it's been going really well. We're growing stronger and stronger every episode, I think. It's really nice to be mentioned alongside the likes of, say, Dice Tower, Blue Peg, Pink Peg, uh, Sharp and Sit Down. The list goes on and on. Well, no, it does. The list is actually only 40 long and uh, we managed to creep into it. So, yeah. 
So a massive thank you to guys at feedspot.com uh, for putting us on their top 40 list. And also a huge thank you to all you guys out there for listening to me prattle on every week. So, yep, you really deserve a reward. <laughs>
were either some kind of bingo game or pairs-based game. So, you know, you have a little board where you have to flip over tiles to um, match up with what you've got on the board, or it's just matching pairs, which is, you know, it's, it's a quite a basic kind of like game mechanic. But when you're dealing with, with, with youngsters, I think something a bit beyond that is asking a lot, and it gets them, you know, sat at a table yeah. and focused on, 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 on an activity, which is... Uh, a little bit kind of board game-esque, as it were. Yeah, but this is it. I mean, because one of the ones that uh, Mad Littlands really liked to start off with was uh, there's a dinosaur game okay. uh, where you have different shapes and on the dice you have these different shapes matching. And basically all you do, you roll the dice. If you get one of those shapes that's missing from your dinosaur, you get to put that tile on oh, the cool. dinosaur. And it's just the first one to get all six shapes on the dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, and it is that simple and getting them to sort of identify the basic shapes. And then there's also another dice that's got the different uh, main colours. So the red, blue, green. Yep. So again, they're just sort of like seeing basic shapes, basic colours. And that was a really good one to start with, I found. I mean, I think one of the games that she first got was like Superhero Lotto. So you had, and, and, and it's one of the, I mean, this is what auction games do really well is that, you know, the, the, the pieces are very easy to hold and, and, and manipulate. And there's a lot of information without it being overwhelming. So it, you have four four kind of mats, and each superhero has six different objects to find. So you and you you mix up the tiles, and you pick tiles up, and if it's the right tile, you put it down. If it's not, you put in. If it's not, you put it face down in in, in the pool of tiles to you know, to collect from. And the way it's set up is the first one is just literally though here are the six shapes you have to find. But then you flip it over and fold the children, it gives you a bit of a background about the particular child and their special ability and what they like, what they dislike. And rather than having those six particular objects to find in front of you, the six objects are actually part of a picture. So you're also looking in the picture to find almost a hidden object for the object which you're picking up from the actual pool. So, you know, it's it's I mean, that's something we've always tried to encourage with us. It's that whole thing of you have a base game, and you can make it as you, you can make it as easy as for anybody to play. But you like to, but you can add bits to it, so it becomes more and more complicated. So you add more aspects to the game as you go along. I know what you mean. So sort of try and keep it simple, and then see if you can develop. Yeah. I mean, cause another one that we played that was really good. Um, it just works on basic maths. Really, was um, called Incy Wincy. Oh yeah, and basically everybody's got their own spider and their own sort of drain pipe. You just roll the dice and you move up there many pieces. So it's a very simple roll and move, which I know is not a popular mechanic amongst uh, like you sort of your hardcore gamers, if you like. But at the same time, it's really good for teaching youngsters maths. Mm. And they really do like it because there's also a spinner. So yeah. every now and then yeah. you're going to get the rain. And whoever, if it lands on the rain, then you just start all the way back down at the bottom. So... As an actual game as such, likes of me and you, we would hate playing it because it would be so frustrating and so simple. But for a kid, it's absolutely wonderful place to start. Well, I think, that, I think that's the trick, isn't it? Because, I mean, as I said, you know, the, I think the pair of us and I think most of the audience are people, you know, if you've played a game for some time and like, you know, games that come from that particular aspect. But at the same time, I mean, we, we've, you know, when you're, dealing, when, you're dealing, when you're working or playing with like younger people, it, the joy of gaming itself has to be the focus. And, you know, you can, you can take the most mundane, boring of games, or even devi devise your own game and you know, get kids actually interested in doing that rather than it being like, oh, here is a big rule book. You must learn all these rules before you play this game. It gets a bit too dry. Uh, I don't think anybody really wants that kind of experience, especially for the first time. 
No, I mean, it's funny you say that because quite often after we played the game, straight away you'd, the kids will run away and they'll get their pens out and yeah. they'll start drawing their own, you know, so they'll try doing their own. And that straight away, you know, if they're doing that, then obviously they've enjoyed the experience. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, like I say, and that is absolutely key. You don't want to be pushing them too fast too, because they know what they like. You can tell probably after a few minutes whether or not they like the game because yeah. they'll either be like jumping up and down on the seas like as if they're going to wet themselves, or <laughs> you know they'll just have a face like like looking at the ceiling, or they'll be yeah. wandering off. Yeah. So exactly. you, you got to do games that entertains them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's also true for anybody playing games. I mean, you know, you find a, a particular type of game you enjoy and you invest in that, you know, it's and then it's finding games which, I mean, people talk about entry-level entry games and what's the best five entry-level games for someone new to gaming. I think it's it's difficult. It's, I'd always go with a, with a game which interests you rather than take out a nominal list of 20 games and then pick, then pick a mix. You know, I think this is where, you know, the gaming community is really really good be it like local clubs or like uh, games cafes that you know they're really opening and welcoming spaces which allow people to go i'm kind of i've heard about this game in malarkey what's it all about and then having the opportunity to actually talk with somebody who's got that little bit more experience than yourself yeah yeah um, that is it it's, it's literally opening the doors to, mm. to like to be welcoming isn't yeah. it yeah 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 and i think that is one of the key things because like, going back to kids it's if if you were to try to do something and you're trying to force your will on them, you know, they'll probably just like that's it, you've lost them. Yeah. But you what you want is them to be coming, can I play this? Can I do that? Yeah. And you know, I I think and do it at a pace and try and do it as well for themes that are actually mm. appealing. Because yeah. I say some guy some games can be very dry. Yeah. They might be simple in the rules, but if they're not sort of visually stimulating then they're probably not going to be interested in playing. Yeah, this is true. Me and you will be jabbering about what we um, think that they like. Um, now, Caitlin has decided that she's going to do her own top five list. So yeah. she's going to tell us uh, what she <laughs> thinks. And then later on, we'll uh, tell her why she's wrong. Because, <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's okay. what parents do. You know, it's it's, oh, it's all yeah, part you, of the experience. You no, know, oh, you're wrong, you, child. How dare you have an opinion? You must listen to father figures and do as you're told. Be a good little beautiful child. Yeah, something like that. And then then get then get like, you know, a half in the side and stomping doors. Oh well she she's oh, it's it's difficult it's oh my daughter, daughter mine, bless her. She's she's right, so before we get into this, I'd like to say mention something about the ages which you see on board games. You know, this game is not appropriate for a child under the age of or you have to be a certain age to play this game. And I think those are best ignored, to be honest, Julie. I'd, I'd pick a game which you think your child's ready for. Um, I mean, I've mentioned Twilight Imperium 4 already, and she loves the miniatures, and she's absolutely fascinated by, you know, the, the, how big and how complex the game is, because it's just, you know, lots of bits of lots of bits of pieces in, in a board and in a box, which are inherently fascinating. I think that's part of the joy of gaming as well. You know, you get all these lovely bits of plastic and cardboard and oh what does this do? What does that do? How can I how can I manipulate this into a into a, into a game and oh you know how does this work and how does that work? And again you talked about having to well not having to how you encourage children into into, into gaming and the games themselves do half the, do half the task if, if it's if it's in, you know incredibly enticing then it's gonna it's gonna help the whole gaming experience, um, and I think you know when it comes to Caitlin, that's very much indicated by her pick. 
with that. So, sure. <laughs> okay, so what five games did Caitlin pick? So she picked a few. I mean... So, Caitlin. Yeah? How old are you? Uh, right, Caitlin, um, can you pick us five of your favourite games and can you tell me why you like them? Okay. I love Monopoly in Boys Nance game. <laughs> the first one she picked was Monopoly, so we'll kind of ignore, <laughs> we'll kind of ignore that. But um... What do kids know? <laughs> what do kids know? <laughs> Monopoly, yeah. You know, I mean, I think Monopoly is one of those games. I mean, you have to say for a game that's been around for a bloody long time, it has. To, you've got to mention the fact that it's, it's it must be doing something right, even if it's just you know damn good marketing and be able to reproduce itself over countless different kind of variations. But you know, it's a game. It's not not necessarily the best game to play, and you know, unless you want to cause arguments and have people stomping off. <laughs> but it's I definitely... think, it, to be fair, it's got its place. I just think the game mechanics have developed. Yes, but definitely. it's just because it's almost become the popular thing. It's why it's lasted so long. Well, so... I, I think I, I think that's also it. I mean, especially when you, you know when you're new to gaming and you're looking to where do I buy games from? You go to places, you go to shops. And invariably, that's all you'll ever see is just like a row of Monopoly sets after a row of Monopoly set. And we had this conversation, I think, earlier, like, you know, where do you get kids' games from? And, and where's, and, you know, if you are limited as to where you can go and shop for kids' games, then that's going to kind of really flavor your, your expectation. Uh, if it's not Monopoly, it's going to be things like, you know, um, all the classics like um, um, Mousetrap or Guess Who or you know things like Scrabble, and it's like you know I think the game, as you said, the game's mechanics have definitely evolved to make them a little bit more appealing, um, and and it's just knowing what what sort of game has a bit of like uh, a bit more life to it and a bit more kind of like um, player but replayability and playability as opposed to things like Mousetrap or Guess Who and whatnot. You know, um, I think one 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 the games some, there are definitely games which seem to be crossing over into those kind of like you know into those retail shops. Uh, and I think the first one, which wasn't on Caitlin's list, but definitely one worth mentioning, I'd say, is Double. You know, for such a small and straightforward game, it's it definitely got a lot of replayability, and it's also really easy to get your hands on as well. Yeah, yeah. For a mainstream game, it's such a quick, easy game to play out, and it, it guarantees laughs. It really yeah. does. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's you know the hard day of actually finding chips. I think it also kind of like it kind of it's a nice kind of step up from you know from the orchard games. You know, the whole thing of matching yeah. matching tiles with this. You know, with Dobby, you've got a card with was it 11 12 different different shapes and each and each card has well you can get pair. it for suitable for different ages can't you so yeah. you can get like a junior one and there also comes a different theme so you can get i know harry potter or yeah. you can get animals or you can get all different ones. well there's one but yeah there's one i saw i think it was words as well which which looked really interesting which is just that whole thing of trying to develop, like, you know, reading skills as well. That whole thing of, mm. like, I think it's different topics. So you, you're kind of matching words to a, to, a, to a picture or, which I was thinking, that's actually quite a nice novel idea, especially, you know, with something as straightforward as Double. Um, so, yeah, check out Double at your good re- re- local retailer of games and toys and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even pretty that when I've been in the supermarket, I believe. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> 
No, Kate, just tell us about your fourth most favourite game. Caitlin's favourite game, which I think is actually a great game generally, is a game called Santorini, which is uh, a lovely little kind of, um, it's almost like an abstract game actually, um, where you are you are playing a higher order, a, a, a Greek god who's got his little dentings of two little workers who are building towers and the first person to get to the top of the tower wins the game. Um, and the towers obviously are based on the on the town of Santorini in Greece, or oh, island island of Santorini in Greece. And it's a lovely little game. It's a little worker placement. So on on your turn, you move a person and you build a structure. Uh, and the structures are uh, three tiers three tiers tall. And the first person to get to the third tier wins the game. So the game mechanics themselves are ridiculously easy. But because there's lots of uh, moving parts there's it there's it becomes incredibly intricate quite quickly so just visually it's 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 incredibly appealing and really easy to get into and um as you get into the game um you can add more mechanics in the base of um of, of cards and each card represents a different greek god and each greek god has its own special ability so some gods might be able to um, lay more tiles quicker or move around the board quicker and it really does kind of like give that game a little bit more playability and durability as as you kind of delve into it. So yeah, Santorini, good game. Hardly yeah, recommend I think caitlin has got very good taste there. Like I must admit, I played that one with my two, and yeah, it, it's basically an abstract game. Yeah, uh, you know, but it, the way they've designed it, just sort of building the little buildings and having little figures jumping around. Yeah. It's a yeah, really, and like I say, it's a very simple game play. So yeah, well done, Caitlin. I'll let you. You, you can uh, get a job on the show, I think. <laughs> uh, so that was one of Caitlin's first favorite games. I'm just trying to remember what else she had. Uh, another one which she mentioned uh, was Junk Art, which again was one of the first games we got, um, which is such a great little game. And again, you know, it's one of these games where you can play it from the ages like, you know, five to 55. It doesn't really matter how old you are. And it's a lovely little dexterity game where you're trying to build like towers from these different shapes, which themselves aren't exactly designed to be put together in any particular way. Uh, the premise is like you you are an artist and you're going around the world um, demonstrating your ability to make towers, essentially, make sculptures. Um, and the games um, revolves around these shapes, but also decks of cards. So for each city you go to, you have a different way of playing the game. And there's ways of the way you are trying to build the quickest tower as quick as possible or the tallest tower as quick as possible, use um, different colored shapes or there's other, rule, there's other rules where you are collectively trying to build a tower, which, which again, so the replayability of the game is really, really good. And as a, and as a dexterity-based game, it kind of it, it allows for a mechanic which doesn't require a lot of a lot of like really intricate thought processes. It's something like I can see you can just pick up and do, and you can adapt it depending on you know your own ability, let alone your children's ability. So yeah, junk up. Great little game. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Yeah, no, that is good. Yeah, I must admit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well done, Caitlin. You got that one right as well. Yep, yeah, correct. This. What game is that? Flick them up. It's very pressure. Um, oh, and, ha- and, and I got this from the Easter Okay. To the next game, which is the Flick 'em Up, because Flick 'em Up's just, it's a lovely atmospheric little game. I mean, it's. 
it's almost like a nice little venture into kind of like a miniature gaming, to be honest with you. I mean, it's essentially it's 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 cowboys and Indians, and you know the game come and but the game's played by rather than actually measuring and moving a particular piece of rolling die, you you, you literally flick a, a movement tile to get the actual to get the um the the particular um, um cowboy to move about, and then you have a mechanic where you're flicking, but it's not people over. So you, you find yourself in a lovely situation where you're just trying to get yourself around like like different bits of scenery and a really awkward mechanic to just try and move this little bit of plastic maybe a couple of inches, and it just goes horribly wrong. You just go, oh no! Um, but yeah, this this for theme alone, it's really really good, uh, and and yeah, heartily recommend it. I mean, Caitlin loves it, uh, and yeah, flick them up, really good. I remember we played that one. I'm trying to think when did I play it? I played it. It might have been at an aircon or it was at some convention anyway. Yeah. And uh, it works really well in teams. So I think it was four aside we were playing yeah. it. And that was, I, I was absolutely horrendous though. I must admit, every time the people were just dreading my go, you know, I'd be like hitting people on the next table. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's part of the appeal of it. it you know, you, you you are you end up you end up in, it, in an awkward situation where you've got maybe like you, you're trying to manipulate your finger into such an awkward position just to try and move this particular little meeple of to, to get him either out of out of like a position where he's going to get knocked by your, an opponent player or into a position where he can knock an over uh, uh, an opponent player. And that's part of the fun of it because you're there going, oh, am I going to make it move? And invariably you don't, and it goes horribly wrong. But there's those little golden moments you think about if, if you know, you know, this, they're trying to roll the hard six of like, if I can just get this person in this particular position and it goes right and, you know, it just causes raucous laughter around the table. And for that alone, it's just a wonderful little game. Oh, excellent. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well done, Caitlin. Got another one. Well done. And tell me about your third, pick a third, your third favourite game and explain to me why you like it so much. These. So what game's that then? Saboteur. Okay. Oh, Saboteur. Saboteur and Saboteur 2. What a wonderful little party game that is. So the premise behind Saboteur is you are a dwarf and you are digging a hole, uh, diggy diggy hole, (laughs) in the mine. And you're trying to find gold at the end of the actual mine. And it's a a card laying game, so you're mapping out the the mine as, as you dig. But what makes it more interesting is there's a traitor mechanic in it. So, um, you might be a dwarf trying to find gold. You might be a dwarf trying to stop the other dwarf trying to find gold. And so it's one of those games where the more people you get sat around the table, the more fun it gets because people kind of point the finger like, are you the saboteur? Are you the saboteur? No, I'm not the saboteur. I'm, I'm a good worker dwarf who's just trying to help other people out. Which, you know, as game mechanics go, I absolutely love. I love like I said, I love games which... Um, get conversation around the table as much as the mm. game itself uh, and what saboteur 2 does it adds more roles to the game so there's um i think there's a geologist who's not interested in god he's after crystals there's a boss who i think wins irrespective of which team gets to the gold and i think there's the profiteer that's the one who wins regardless if the saboteurs win or not and it's one of those games which you know, at first, you think this might be quite might might be a little bit too complex for like a five for a five year old. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, As I say, I've not tried it with mine. I must admit, I've never really thought. I thought this one to be a level too high, but okay. but I, I just think for a family game, it's absolutely fantastic. And and you know, it's it's a deck of cards, so it's one which like you know, when lockdown starts easing, you can definitely take round to like you know, extended family, and everybody can sit around and and and, and get and get t- and you know get stuck in. It's uh, it's a lovely little family game, and uh, yeah, I heartily recommend it. Well, or rather, Kitten highly recommends it. <laughs> Okay, number two game. I, I love this. What game's that? Uh, I think she, she got one more. Uh, the last one, Magic Maze. Oh, Magic Maze. Okay, right. What a game. Um, so, yeah, the premise by Magic Maze is um, there are four adventurers off, off on adventuring, like adventurers do to adventure stuff, uh, but they're a bit daft because they've forgotten to get the right kit. So on the night before of the big adventure, they, they go and decide to rob a shopping mall because obviously shopping malls are, you know, one of those things you find in Adventure Fairyland. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, and it's one of these games which the theme the theme itself doesn't really describe the experience. The experience is, is very, very different. It's one of these games where everybody around the table can move all of the pieces at the same time. Each player has a card which denotes how they move the players. So only one person can maybe move the players upwards. Another person can move the players sideways, and which is, makes the game quite interesting. But what, what, what really makes the game is the fact that it's played in silence and it's against a timer. So you you're there looking at looking at the board, looking at the players, hoping that they might take take the hint that you may have to move this particular person this way for it to win. <laughs> yeah. uh, and to help that mechanic, you've got this big red kind of like um, like tappy thing, which you you find people just pick up and just start banging on the table, and all the eyes just look to you to say as if like you should be doing something, and the kind of the walls close in as as and as these eyes are staring, you just think, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, and invariably it becomes a bit of a war of like people tapping at each other, it's like move it this way, no, no, move it this way, and it, it's kind of like you maybe two minutes of this sheer agony followed by a, a, like half an hour of this absolute walkers after like, why did you do this? Because you're trying to do this, why why did you do this? Why do that? And again, you know, it's one of those games which may not be the, the best for like small children, but it's how you play it. it it's 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 like with flick them up, there's those moments where it just comes together beautifully and everybody's just like, Yes, we did it, fantastic. But those moments are very short are very short and far between because it's the more of the whole but you should have done this and you should have done that and oh frustration. Um which kind of like I think kind of <laughs> I think you begin to see a developing theme as to which games we enjoy playing one <laughs> one just cause arguments and frustration rather than oh that was a quite that was a nice pleasant experience. Now we want shoutiness and, and uh, it was your fault and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, Magic yeah. Maze. A game to play if, if you want to end up shouting at people. And <laughs> so yeah, you probably get a nice long quiet silence after it. <laughs> the games you play when well, you don't want people to play games. Hey, that's something you basically mean because you'll love this one. <laughs> oh dear. Oh well, I think yeah, she's yeah, she's done uh, pretty good there. Pick five good ones. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed looking at some of our games. And if you look down, when you see and what other games we got. Bye. Um, right, so my little lad Lucas, same Meiji, six. Okay, so the first one he picked was Karuba. Ooh. 
Now, I don't know if you've ever played Karuba. No. It's a really nice, simple game where the idea is you're, you've got four adventurers and they have to get to their temples. Okay. And you've got um, a, a grid on it in front of you. And then what you do, you'll have uh, tiles that are picked out and they'll have pathways. And you basically got to guide your um, explorer to the temple. Mm-hmm. But the, the really good thing about it, and the, I think this is why he really likes it, is the fact that you it's almost like a bingo system. Okay. So you'll have somebody, because all the tiles are numbered. So he might, I don't know, pick a number in here, say, I don't know, 16. So everybody's got to get the number 16 and try and find a good location for it on their map. Ah. And guaranteed, every map will always look different. Yeah. And so you'll get points for the first person to get a certain piece of treasure for in a temple, or you can pick up lumps of gold or gems on the way. And yeah, so it's a real nice, simple tile laying game. So you're making your pathway. But I think just giving it that and letting the kids be the bingo callers yeah. really adds to it as well. But yeah, yeah. So he he picked that one. Cool. I can I can just imagine like like you know, yeah. So you know, <laughs> rather than kind of like you know, two little ducks, twenty two. You know, one big axe, number forty six. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's got the crossbow, but... number forty two? Yeah, so that's wonderful. That's fantastic. So one of the really clever mechanics about it is the fact that to move your explorers, you actually have to discard some of the tiles. Oh wow. And what you do, so say it's got, um, I don't know, say it's a, a T piece in as much as the path's doing a T. Yeah. That will have three entry points, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that will let your explorer move three places. Mm-hmm. So it's a real case of, well, the best pieces are obviously the ones that got the most exits because yeah. they yeah. give you more options. Yeah. But they're also the ones that let you move the most. Mm. So it's all like, oh, what, do I use it for mm. movement or do I use it for, to create a pathway? Yeah. And so, yeah, it, and that just sort of adds a bit more of a decision making about it. But yeah, it's a, yeah, it, it's a really good game. And uh, yeah, I'm quite impressed that you picked that one, I must admit. Good lad. Okay, uh, so the next one, um, yeah, I'm also impressed you picked this one, but at the same time, I know why he picked it. This one's called Kittens in a Blender. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, it, it, I think this sort of describes what he's like. Um, <laughs> you know, the games you want to, the games which make your parent proud. Here you go. Yeah. yeah. It's. Uh, Basically, the idea is it's a very simple game. Everybody has got their own coloured uh, kittens that they're trying to save. And so you'll play two cards. You can either put them in the box or the position says on the counter or there's a position that says in the blender. So you're trying to get all of your opponent's uh, cats into the blender Mm -hmm. and you want to get all yours safely in the box. And then you'll also get some cards that have a number on it. So it might say a two on it. So you can move either one kitten two places or you can move two kittens one place. So there's like a real back and forth trying to move your kittens out and get their kittens in. And then you'll have certain cards that come up that say blend. And then, (laughs) oh dear, it's it's quite cringe where I've even said this now. But for all all animal lovers out there, by your children... (laughs) Yeah, I, I think I'm going to call the RSPCA after this. You know, just you know, a bout of kittens going missing around the streets. Come here, little kitten. <laughs> Step into the box. Don't mind the sharp, the, the sharp blades. They're fine. They're fine. Yeah, yeah. But 
Also, so you got that, but you've also got um, a card that says Pulse Blend, and Pulse Blend <laughs> lets you actually stop. So if I was to put a blend down, he could put down a Pulse Blend to stop it from happening. And so, and then you've also got cards that say you got to swap uh, it's a dog in the kitchen. So everybody's got to move their hand to the person next to them. Right. And it's just a real sort of chaotic game. And it, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a real funny one. Um, as long as like they're not too worried about the theme. <laughs> but I mean, you could tell what the theme is by the box. Yeah. So, and uh, the, the thing that's really bad, like some of the, the artwork's done in a real nice cartoony yeah. style. Yeah. And some of them have got like big, like, Blue eyes that are just sort of like doing a sad face, looking at you, and yeah, you sort of, yeah, I'm putting no, it like no, okay, no, in the blender. No, he's going in first. No, no, sort that. Yeah, yeah don't look at me. Also, you're you're first. You know, you know, chuck him in. Give me, pass him yeah. another box. Yes, that's it. Cry, children, cry. <laughs> you know, nothing more than no, there's nothing more that a parent knows than just a child just crying aimlessly because they're because they're small furry kittens just being turned into like a kitten smoothie. In this one, obviously, this is very charm dependent. If they're pretty sensitive that age, yeah, avoid this one. But unfortunately, my son is—he just saw his eyes lit up. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that one. Sorry, that one plays. It says it plays two to four, but it don't play two because you, it's just blatantly obvious what you're going to do every time. How so, how would you compare it to say something like Exploding Kittens? Because I mean, again, you know, Exploding Kittens when it came out was just massive. Everybody was playing it, you know. And rather than it being kind of like trying to blend kit, uh, kit, uh, kittens, it's more of a question of like you know, it became a bit of like Russian roulette. The whole the first person who gets an exploding kitten goes kaboom, and they're pretty much out of the game. And you know, and you know, with yeah, um, it's yeah, I'll say it's you, it's not that too much um, because the, all, all the cards get dealt out, and everybody's got the same amount of cards, right. and there's no, I mean. It's luck based in as much as any game of cards is luck based, depending on like. But there's quite a few different things, like say, so if you've got pulse blends, they are the stronger cards. Yeah. But I mean, it's no different of being dealt aces in poker. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it's yeah, from that point of view, it's not. Yeah, I I, I think I prefer it to uh, uh, exploding kittens for that sort of reason. The one thing I would say about the game though is it's very basic and it's very simple in what you're trying to yeah. do. In as much as if I've got your colour kittens, they're going straight in the blender. If I've got mine, they're going into the box. Yeah. You know what I mean? It is that sort of simple. Yeah. So decision-wise, there isn't too much other than when you get the numbers, it's all like, well, do I move yours in or do I move mine out? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so it's not exactly an in-depth game with the tons and tons of thinking. But it, it, it's not. That's not what it's intended for. It's intended to be a fun, laughing game. Um, you know, so. blending kittens. Something to do on the yeah, Saturday yeah. afternoon. Yeah, see, everyone's got to have a hobby, I haven't they? So his, his next choice um, is a little bit more mellow. Quite happy to say, um, it's called Pitch Car. Oh, which, yeah really really simple uh dexterity yeah. game where you lay out a track and you have these little wooden discs and you basically race around mm. the track just flicking them just yeah. taking it in turns flicking them around whoever's in the league goes first and basically you, and you just decide you want to do three laps you want to do four laps and yeah and it, it's a very simple game but it, it, the amount of times like you will fly off and i it's a good one where the adults don't have an advantage no, as such. Yeah. As far as dexterity games go, this is probably as simple as it can mm, get. Yeah, I've, I've I've played Pitch Car. It's it's just a great little game. 
it's just wonderful. I mean, the, I mean, dexterity games. Everybody kind of like it's one of those things. Which it becomes a bit of a division bar. The, the dexterity games, in, you know, in groups. It's like, do you like them? Don't you like them? I, think, I mean, I love them. I think they're fantastic. But the, the, the problem is because we've got bits flying everywhere. You've got to be quite careful as to where you're playing. And there's nothing worse than it's like, oh no, I've lost this piece. What do I do? But yeah, pitch car definitely got my recommendation there as well. Oh, well done, Lucas. You got one right. <laughs> Well, the next two are actually a little bit complicated. So you, they're not the sort of games where you can just let kids go with them. Go, for example, Pitch Car, I think I could quite happily leave it to, yeah. say, uh, Lucas and Caitlin, and they could just play it by mm. themselves, no problem. But the next one, Funkoverse. Mm. So this is from, like, you know, you get all the Funko yeah. uh, pop uh, dolls. So it's that. The actual games are pretty simple, where you're just got all these different characters. So they could be from the Batman universe, could be from Harry Potter, I don't know, I'm trying to think, you've got Rick and Morty, yeah. you've got Golden Girl, there's so many, mm. yeah, they're really, um, but he, he really likes playing with Batman and Harry yeah. Potter, and with these oversized figures, you just get to move them a couple of places on the board, uh, you can do a simple attack and you can try and knock them down, and if you can beat them up while they're on the floor, you knock them out, mm-hmm. but the good thing is, because it's quite child-friendly, they'll come back in yeah. the next round. Yeah. There's various abilities they've got. so And this is why I do say you probably do want to have a grown-up with them because when you're talking for a young age, like a six-year-old sort of thing, some of the powers can be a little bit tricky and you do need to explain them to them. I mean, but normally it's not too complicated. It's all like, I know, for example, the Batarang, it's got like, say, a range three. Yeah. So it just means they can attack from further away, and then it might attack a few on the on the might be stood next to each other, something like that. So you might just need to remind them what they've got and what they can do. Yeah. But what you'll find is that the more powerful attacks, you put them at the top of um, a cooldown track. Okay. Yeah. So it yeah. might take say four turns uh, before they can use it again. Yeah. And each character has different sorts of special abilities. So they'll have two. So it could be, I don't know, it might be, I'm totally forgetting, one might be teamwork, which might be the colour blue. One might be leadership, which might be coloured yellow. One might be uh, strength, which might be coloured red. And so each character is assigned two of these tokens. But you can share them between your team because normally you, you play with three, three characters. So... And each ability is assigned to that colour. So, for example, I know, say the Batarang might be uh, a red, you can sort of possibly use somebody else because you've taken it from the pool. Yeah. So you could actually have two or three red tokens. So potentially you could use it three times on the trot. Okay. But it's all. But once they've gone, they've gone. So yeah, it's. It, but it's a yeah, it's a real nice. And the way the cool drown track works is really good. There's a few different. A theme games within it so you've got things like capture the flag you've got uh, a king of the hill so yeah. it's always different scenarios and i'm, uh, I'm guessing and, then... and i'm guessing you can pretty much use your entire collection of funko pops within the game as well well no not really because oh, th- these ones are slightly smaller okay yeah so i, I don't know they're probably like I, I, i'm not a big funko pop collector or anything like that i, I probably i'm guessing probably about three quarter maybe half the size of a normal funko okay pop. right so, yeah, but I mean, they are bringing more and more out at the time. So, I mean, there will be, a, like I say, that 
they've got Jurassic Park. They've got so many already, and they're going to be just bringing more and more out. So there'll be plenty to choose from. Cool. But yeah, it's it's a real nice, uh, fairly simple. But you'd probably want to hold their hand as you sort yeah. of go in and just point yeah. little bits and bits out. But the actual, the basic game is pretty simple. I must admit. Cool. <laughs> Right, uh, and his last one, again, this one is one that you would definitely want to hold their hand, uh, but it's a game that he really enjoys, and I'm really glad he likes it, because I really enjoy playing this one. Um, it's called Star Saga. Okay. Now, Star Saga is, basically, it's a dungeon crawl in space. Okay, got um, it's, uh It's made by Mantic Games. I think the thing he really likes about it is the fact that there's a story behind it, so... And you go in around and you're trying to sort of shoot the aliens and you're trying to get on there from point A to point B and maybe pick up something along the way and you're sort of moving along. So all the uh, the shooting and movement, it's very simple. But like I say, you, you just want to be there to sort of like help yeah. them. And, but because it's a co-op, it's a lot easier that way rather than, I mean, well, say you can play it as a co-op or you can play it as one person takes yeah. on the team but we always play it as a co-op yeah. um somebody has done a really good uh, system online where you it, they've done it like a pdf so you're not actually spoiling the campaign so you actually as you open a door you can click the button and then it tells you what tiles to oh, ask and stuff and and like when you want to open up a crate you click on the crate and it tells yeah. you if there's anything yeah. inside it things like that so it's like but yeah it, so it makes it more of a legacy game then yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, and you're because the one thing I when I first played it, uh, solo, it was a case of you, you laid out the board and you kind of knew what was waiting mm-hmm. through the other door mm-hmm. already. So, by doing it this way, it's a good surprise for yourself. But I mean, I, I wasn't actually intending on playing it with him, but he just saw me playing and asked if he could join in. So, I just said, Yeah, go on, like, you know, roll the dice and like you can take that character, go where you want to go. And he, he just got, got it. Yeah. So, so that wasn't one I intentionally tried to get him to play, but he just saw me playing and thought he wanted to do you, it and you, joined you, in you, and that's it. You just subtly nudged him by putting it in his bedroom at night and go like, here, look at this game. Look at the game. Yeah, just look look at the game. The of Open the game. Open the game. Play the game. But yeah, but it was, yeah. And so I've got, I'm quite, I'm quite happy that he does. And I do generally enjoy playing it with him. I must admit. And I don't feel like, I mean, sometimes he does uh, things and you're like, oh, I really don't mm. want you to go that way, but that's your choice. Mm. And as it happens, he's made a good call. And I was like, yeah, well, I told you to go that way. It was a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. It's amazing um, how like, you know, how, how somebody's plans become your plans, which becomes their plan and everybody's plan. Everybody's happy. Yeah, everyone's happy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the last scenario we done, um, he was adamant he wanted to go through this door, and I'm like, well, I don't know. And as it happened, it was a, like a real nice shortcut, and it oh, saved us so excellent. much grief. I'm like, yeah, well done, mate. I'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> but next time, I'm taking. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> let's agree. Let's agree that, that that was my idea. Yeah. So when I make another idea, then that's my idea as well. Yeah. <laughs> I dare say there is actually quite a few other games that will be like that, yeah. where they are co-op, so you can sort of almost hold their hand and sort of guide them through. And so I think that could actually be another good way of like getting them interested, Definitely. I must admit. Definitely. And it's sort of like, and that way they haven't got the pressure and they've not got that, oh, I've just lost my like, mm. fears, or, you know, and also the other one, which I really hate, which I, I sometimes have to remind him is um, being a bad winner. Yeah. You know, because... <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, I think that's it. I mean, I mean, that's a whole podcast unto itself. It's like game etiquette, really. You know, and it's something we. I think kids are pick up on it very quickly as well, especially when they've had a really difficult game. There's nothing. There's nothing more glorious than, like I say, rolling in the hard six. You know, when you're when in a position where you, you just this it comes down to this one move, this one particular play, and it coming through. And there's that lovely sight. You know, there's lovely that those lovely bit of like you know, euphoria and like just running through the system. Like I've actually did it. But you know, like you say, there's you know, it's, it's one thing to be a bad to be a sore loser, but to be a winner who just constantly rubs it in your face, and that's something we've always we've always tried to encourage with Caitlin. It's just like regardless of who wins or who loses, you, the first thing you do is shake the other person's hands and say, "Good game, good yeah, game." You know, that's it. very very yeah. British kind of cup of tea. Good game, well done, congratulations, yeah. cup of tea, biscuit. It's. <laughs> <laughs> That's assuming you're still talking at the end, but yeah. Well, well, that's just it, you know. I think that's a big thing about, and particularly at the moment, because the the climate that we're in, I think it's very important to be able to spend this quality time yeah. with your children, where, especially where the, the big lockdown was on, because mm. they, they are missing their sort of like their social interaction at school. Because I think the kids can get so much development by playing board they games, can. like they can learn good communication, they can learn patience, yep. they can learn logic skills. Yeah, there's so much they can get out of it. Well, if, I think, if, I mean, I, I completely agree with you there. I mean, I think with the lockdown, it kind of allowed both, you know, allowed me and Kate to really explore some of the more complicated games that we've got in our in our library. I think that's probably one of the reasons why she's picking out things like, you know, uh, Saboteur and Magic Maze, because, you know, these may not be the games which you'd go to as first picks for like, you know, a five, six year old, but with the way things are at the moment, I think, you know, the more you can encourage children to play games and how you introduce them to games is, is going to allow those experiences where you can start playing games, which you both want to play, you know, that you, you, yeah. you're not having to, to, you know, dumb yourself down into a game, which may not be, which may not be your first pick. And, you know, just because these games are maybe um, tailored towards younger children, doesn't mean they're not, in any way, shape, or form, as good an experience as some of the more kind of like you know higher end games, as it were. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. Some of the best things we've had is like from these sort of games. Don't underestimate the joy you get from watching them play and enjoy yeah. a game. It's you know that, that's a big lift. That's one of the things I really enjoy is when they actually come up to me and say, "Can I play this?" Yeah. And when you play that, you just see the grin and they get excited. Yeah, it's a real uh, boost for yourself mm. as well. I think it helps everybody. I think it's fantastic to have those sort of moments. And when you're locked in the house with like with a group of kids, you 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 want you want those experiences. You really do. Yeah. I, I say I think it's vital at this moment. Yeah. I must admit. And by all accounts, like I was saying on the um, on the last show that there's been a lot of companies like Hasbro, for example. They they announced that their profits have gone mm. up on board games because obviously I think a lot of parents have sort of thinking along a similar sort of lines of thinking, well, I need a good activity for my child to do. Right, let's sit down and play a ball game. Well, so, it, yeah. it, also, it also breaks away you know, the need or the want for kids to be sat in front of a screen. I mean, you know, that's one thing. It's one of those things is like, do I spend the, the following day with, with my daughter watching, you know, another repeat of, I don't know, um, My Little Pony? And, and you, you just want to, you know, claw your eyes after seeing it after about eight times. Or do you think, come yeah. on, let's actually get a board game out and actually start actually, you know, 
talking rather than just being sat in the corner, safe the box in the corner. It's, uh, you know, I think this yeah. is the beauty of board games. It brings people together. And, but, yeah. and good board games do bring people together and want and makes you want to spend more time with your family than, you know, going off into separate rooms and, you know, almost sedating them with, with you know, technology. Yeah, oh, absolutely spot on. There seems to be more and more of that coming about. And in this sort of era, the amount of kids, I mean, they get a lot of mobile phones mm. at ridiculous young ages. You know, they got tablets. I mean, don't get me wrong, my little ones got tablets, yep. but we do sort of limit how much they can have it. Like, you know, sort of half hour, well, boom, that's it, you're putting it down sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, they've got their place, don't get me wrong. Yeah, definitely. But I think when, when you're using, like, the tablet and the telly to be the babysitter, then, you know, there's obviously something not quite right. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I, I, I think I think, I think the... this is it. I mean, it's, I, I, as a kid myself, I remember you know you'd have the, the games night with, with the family. It could be something as you know something like I don't know Trivial Pursuit or Risk or Monopoly, but you know, but that's more to do with like you know the, the times you were in. You know, the, the choice of games yeah. out there weren't, weren't quite as weren't quite as right, and no, the, no, and it's, not, you yeah. know, and, and those memories are still with me now. You know, twenty thirty years on. The, the, yeah. the, you know, and there's nothing. It's I think it's just a loving mechanic to get people together and, and get families together. It's just picking the right games, you know, for yourself and your family. Hence this, I suppose, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think we're very lucky um, now to have this sort of this variety and the amount of options. Mm. Um, you've mentioned conventions before. I mean, I, I find it gets really difficult because I mean, I mean, we were at Aircon last year in the glory days when we can actually you know speak and see people and, and play games together you know and you well, know, not the, virtually you know you those, 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 <laughs> those mythical times way back when <sighs> and uh but and there was a there was a fair few stores actually trying to um, that were advertising games for kids and yeah they, they mm. were great they're fantastic you know you, you know that's that's the whole joy of thing of conventions and there's also the um the, the children's play area and i, I think I, I don't know if it's just if it's because Caitlin's been, you know, had the access to, to games through her family, but you do find there's times when it's just like, these games are great, but I think she'd probably be more interested in playing the games which the older people are playing as well. And it's, you know, it, it is like, it is, it is a bit of a juggling act at times, thinking, is this a game which I want to play? Is this a game which we can play as a, a family, or is this a game which them wants to play and it's you know it's sometimes there's games which just you know you, you hit all those particular targets and there's those and there's sometimes there's those when you're just thinking well Kate's taking an interest in this but I don't I might have to adapt it a little bit to really for her to really get it and actually kind of like succeed in playing it and then there's those which are just too simplistic you know you you mentioned um i mentioned junkart and obviously there's um supers it's uh, rhino hero mm-hmm, and yeah. i think um i mean caitlin came to it a bit too old and when she played it it was just a bit like uh you know that whole this is fun but i'd rather be playing something else but that's not to say it's not a good game you know it, it's tailoring the games to you know to your own children and you'll know best what sort of games they like and which games they don't or, th- yeah. th- or they'll tell you, you know, you know yeah. there's that secret option B of them actually letting them tell you that what games that they like. Well, I think kind of along with that, because every child is different. Mm. And one of the things I would say is sort of like there isn't a right or wrong no. on what games, you know, I think it is a case of like, like adults, really, everyone's individual and they'll learn at different rates. Mm. I mean, for example, I mean, there's some games that Lucas can play that Ella don't quite grasp. And he's younger, but at the yeah. same time, there's a lot that she'll play and he won't grasp. Mm. 
Um, I've even played it with, say, their, um, there was uh, my friend who brought his daughter over and she was 11 or 12. And like Lucas was um, stomping over on a game yeah. of like Ticket to Ride and she yeah. just couldn't understand yeah. it. But that's not to say that she's not an intelligent young lady. No, not at all. It was just a case of, you know, she couldn't really grasp the mechanics of that game. So there is no right or wrong. And no. it is a case of, well, you've got to sort of see what that individual child likes. And also, like you say, what it's going to bring to the family as a whole. Mm. But I think this is true. I think this is true of, you know, of every game experience as well. It's there's times when you can see other people aren't enjoying the game or there's something they're not quite getting. And, you know, as someone who's either introducing the game, you, you have that certain level of responsibility to think, right, okay, how can I modify this game? So everybody walks away wanting to come back and play the game more. I mean, I think it's one of those, It's one again, it's one of those balancing acts. As much as you want a great experience, there's nothing worse than when you're playing the game or introducing the game to a group of people who've not played it before. And you can see they're just, they're, they're just passionate or they want to play the game just drops out completely. Yeah. yeah. And you're there going like, but it's a really good game. They're like, oh, no, it's shit. No, I don't want to play this game. No, it's shit. It's just, and you know, and it's, being it's just flexible, it's just being flexible enough to go. Well, okay, well, you don't like this, but there's aspects. Be like this particular mechanic. Let's try something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, I think that's absolutely spot Because I say, not everybody is going to like every game, are they? You know, it's just what it is. Well, not not unless you you know you you, you beat them further. <laughs> you will like this game. <laughs> so, funnily enough, when you talk about beating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean in a physical sense, but when you're playing against Caitlin, uh, how how do you approach or like when you're trying to win? Do you go all out? Do you hold back a bit? What's your? What's your... I, I, I think it's it's tricky, isn't it? I think you, you learn to read people and you learn to read mm. your own kids very quickly. I mean, it's one of those. I won't dumb down the game, but mm. if if I'm at a stage where it's just like, oh, you know, I don't think that's a great move. You know, then you, you kind of like pause and and go through. Well, you know, I wouldn't do that because if you do that, then this will happen. It's just that ability to actually look through the consequences of actually of a particular play, and then maybe suggesting alternatives. And you know, things like opening up. You know, if you're playing the card game, actually show the cards and go. Look, if I play this and then I play this, then I can get all of this rather than playing just one of these two cards separately. You know, it's uh, it's how you it's how it's all about the teach, just uh, you know. To, to, yeah, to put the I, I agree. In. Yeah, I think a lot of time you don't want to tell them what to do, but you want to be able to give them options mm. and say, look, you know, have you considered doing this or this? Because yeah, I think that's quite a good way. Because at the same time, as much as I want my children to win, what I don't want them to do is not know what it feels like to lose. Well, that's just it, isn't it? You know, you don't want to hand. It becomes like you know, you get you get an award for this competing rather than actually winning, as it were. You know, I've, I've been I've, I've mentioned before the first time Caitlin won Saboteur, and she worked so hard for that. You know, and it was just that whole thing of like I think she was chasing maybe like one or two you know bits of gold for the win. And you know, I, I, I and and she was there, and she was getting she was getting more and more disheartened and whatnot. I was like, it's okay, you know, you know, it's it, it's just a game, you know. There's always something else we can play. And she was, she, you could see the almost the sweat and the uh, dripping off her brow and, and the clogs <laughs> just just going around in her head. And then she yeah. had this massive, had this eureka moment. Oh, oh, I can do this! And she did it, and she laid about you know one card, another card, another card. And she had that magical kind of moment, just you know, just parading herself 
around the table because she you know she won a victory from the from the jaw of defeat you know and, yes. and it goes back to you know people people don't play games because they like a particular game they, they play a particular game because of, of, of what they get from it and that could be a something as you know a something as basic as monopoly as much as other people don't like it or it could be something as, as complicated as i don't know like you know terraforming mars i mean i'm not a big fan of terraforming mars but you see the right. investment people have towards it and they're clearly getting something from it Oh, yeah, yeah. I think you've got to balance out. And again, this comes down to like judging the child. Yeah. Because some children are just not, how do you put it, mentally prepared and mentally ready to accept winning and losing. Yeah. And I think if that's the case, you're probably better off looking at co-op games. Yeah, indeed. For example. I think, again, like I say, it is a case of trying to judge the individual child. The one thing I didn't want is for my kids to be bad winners. Yes. You know, it's an all In your bad face, losers. you it's, suck, loser. Yeah, exactly. I want them to know what it's like to lose. But at the same time, I'm not going to get in their face and, like, you know, start giving it all the bigger to them. <laughs> and I, 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 sometimes I do pull punches, especially the first few yeah. times that we play. Uh, I won't go all out, but at the same time, I, I don't want to just keep handing them games all yeah. the time. So if you do that, then when they come to losing, they won't be able to handle it. So I well, think it's, you know, you've got to try and to split it up a little bit. It's that over-enthusiastic parent syndrome, isn't it? It's like, no, no, you must do better. No, you must understand this is how the game's played. You have to play it properly. Now, now, you are playing Monopoly, so you will have to understand how money, you know, that, 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 what money fiscal responsibility is what's all about and if you end up in the gutter well that's entirely your choice <laughs> you know it, it's just come on as you said you know you have to pull your punches but at the same time it's it's you can't just make a game as vanilla as possible where you know there's no consequence you know it's 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 finding that balance that between you know slugging them to death with because they've not played the game as much as yourself or, you know, haven't really got the kind of like capacity to actually understand the game as deeply as yourself. But at the same time, you know, having an essence of risk, you know, you could lose this game, which makes winning even more, you know, um, a better experience when, you know, there is the possibility of this, of losing the game. But, but as I said, you know, the parents know their kids better than most and they know which games are going to work and which ones aren't. And then mm. if you don't, then talk to your kids more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's some good tools out there called ball games. It might help you with that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, how about you take little Timmy away from the TV and go here? Here's a new thing you could enjoy as a family. You know, and then maybe spend more time. You know, games night is something. You know, it's a staple here. In this right, house. Yeah. it's a staple, and you know. It's games night with with Caitlin and games night without Caitlin. You know, it's and it's yeah. You know, what better way to get the family together than other than just feeding time than a board game? Yeah, well, I think one of the best uh, sayings I've ever heard is uh, a family that plays together stays together. Yeah, and I think that's really true. That yeah, yeah. yeah. It's time for the Kickstarter kick around. The first game we're looking at this week is going to be right at a cheap budget and uh, it's a print and play and it's called Roll Z. So with this one, you're in a zombie apocalyptic world and you're playing the role of a survivor. Basically what's happened is the car's broken and you need to find all these different pieces to fix the car. So it's a bit of a resource management game. 
at the same time, while all this is going on, there's zombies that are trying to break down the barricade. So you're trying to grab resources, fend off the zombies, and backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. It looks really good. The graphic design on it for a print-and-play game looked really good. I'm very impressed by that. Even the board itself, they've not just done a basic board. They've had a bit of detail to it. It also comes with an app that sort of managing what's going on, and you can add different sound effects. So this one, like I say, is cheap as chips. You can actually get it from just £3 or €3. Euros. Uh, that's for the Survivor's Kit, and that gives you the print and play and also an app download link as well. You can even get the co-op rule set included for just £9. If you're feeling really flush, though, you can go up to £17, and you can actually become the protagonist in the game. So they'll actually dedicate it to you. Now, this has only got a couple of days left. It's due to finish on the Friday the 13th. Pretty much bang on midnight, so you're not going to want to waste any time with this one. It's funded really well. It had a low price point of £179, and it's already gone over 800 This is coming to you from Hikata Editionis. This is their first game, but I think at that sort of price point, you're not exactly taking a big risk. So I think it would be well worthwhile uh, taking a pump. <laughs> The next game I want to look at is called Core Space Firstborn. Now this is the follow-up to Core Space, which came out uh, about a year ago. It funded really well on Kickstarter and it got a lot of backing and has received a lot of really good reviews. It's got a really nice narrative to it where you're playing the role of uh, crews that are struggling to get by in the world and you're trying to go around salvaging what you can, scraping up spare parts and then trying to trade them on. Now, you know you're up against stronger foes, but you're doing what you do because you need to survive. Something that makes this stand out from the crowd is the scenery that comes with it. Now, this was what Battle Systems originally made. It was purely all about the scenery. Um, I backed one of their Kickstarters a while ago. Really nice stuff. It's all cardboard clips together. Really nice quality and good graphical detail on it. But what they wanted to do, they wanted to make a game that could be used on their terrain. And it's been years in the working. It's not something that they've rushed. Now, I'm an absolute massive fan of Star Saga, The Walking Dead, and uh, Space Crusade. And this seems to be the perfect amalgamation of all three. So, Core Space is a dungeon crawler in space. And it's got a very nice narrative to it, and there's a campaign. You can play it solo or as a co-op. In the original, it was also a player versus player. I don't know whether this one is as well... Although it does say that everything from the first core space is totally playable in this. So this is just going to basically give you extra crew, extra minis. It's going to be playable in its own right. So you don't need to get the original if you don't want to. And at the same time, if you have the original, this is just going to give you extra content. So in the new version, uh, Firstborn, they've done away with the Purge, who were sort of like the robotic enforcers, if you like. In this one, what has happened is they've stumbled across an ancient civilization that has been laying dormant and now they've been awoken now i really like the look of these they remind me a little bit of ebony morph who's one of thanos's henchmen he's the one who looks a bit like voldemort the wizardy one they remind me of him look i think they look really nice they've also got some nice chunky rock worms that can like just appear from out the ground now their background was in making the scenery and I really like the fact that all the scenery comes with the game. So you can make up all the walls. 
the crates are actually brilliant because you, you can actually put the secret stashes inside the crates so when you open them up and they are physically there so i really love that and it also comes with a two foot by two foot neoprene play mat which is again normally that's the sort of thing you'd expect to be as a add-on so for that to come as a part of the game is absolutely fantastic i already mentioned that this game's a campaign so what you can do you can all the goods that you salvage you can look to either trade and sell them on and then maybe look to get better equipment so when next time you go to salvage you've got some I don't know, bigger guns or something like that alternatively if you want to you can just do it as a one shot so it works on both levels during the round it's also got a threat gauge i'm not too sure what they actually call it anybody who's played the walking dead will appreciate what this is so basically every round will start getting tougher and tougher you'll get a card at the beginning of the round and then it will say something will happen but it will list different things so you'll have easier levels and then more pegs that are down the tougher these um, actions will be it's a really nice way of increasing the difficulty as you go in so you're less likely to want to stay around for too long salvaging because the longer you stay there the more difficult it'll get also it's got these pegs that are on each individual character's board so you'll be one for say health one for his skill level and one for his ammo so for example if you use a shot you'd actually take one off your ammo now the first one every round actually goes onto the threat marker because because you've taken a shot you've now made more awareness to the uh, enemy that you're on site so again it's another way of sort of like do i want to shoot straight away or do i want to try and not only save my ammo but reduce the threat level going up so it's a really nice mechanic also in each character's dashboard is an area where you'll be able to fit in the different items that you pick up but they're limited amount so you can't just get two massive guns because they both won't fit. You might be able to get one big gun, maybe get a handgun, and then maybe two smaller items. But you've got to sort of judge what you want to take. So do you want to drop your big gun so you can get more smaller weapons, which in total might be worth more in scrap value? Or do you want to keep hold of the big gun so you've got better protection? But then when you get back to the ship, you've got less goods to sell on. So it's something that you have to weigh up as you go in. You might even want to run back to the ship, drop some off, and then try and come back out. That's another option open to you. Also on the dashboard, there's an area that's um, got different skills. So you can mark off with a dry white marker the different skill avenue that you want to go off that branches. So you might want to, I don't know, try to improve on your uh, shooting, or you might want to try and improve on your toughness it's just a way of diversifying your options again now this is doing really well it's had a funding goal of 50,000 it's already got 134,000 they still got nine days to go so it's due to finish on Thursday November the 19th and they're unlocking more and more content all the time as well so uh, uh, this is one that I'm definitely going to be jumping on I think <laughs> Another game that's floated in my boat this week is called Feed the Kraken. This is, I, anyone who knows me knows I'm a big fan of social deduction games and this one looks absolutely incredible. So it's set in the pirate world. 
So it's a hidden role social deduction game from 5 to 11 players. And it should play between about 45 to 90 minutes. So it's going to be on the larger scale, this one. So you've got different characters that you'll be given. So you could be a pirate, you could be a sailor, or you could be a cultist. Now, the basic goal of the game is you want to navigate the ship towards your destination. So if everyone's on the same team, it'd be very easy. But the problem is because you're divided into these three different factions, each of you wants to go to a different place. So every turn the ship will sail in one of three possible directions and it might not be the one that you've picked. So the loyal sailors, they're looking to bring the ship safely to mainland. The pirates want to uh, take it to the hideout of Crimson Cove and the cultists, the cult leader, wants to sail it towards the lair of the Kraken God. So there'll be uh, a current captain who's going to pick uh, a lieutenant and they're going to look at the sea maps and then they're going to pass these orders on to the navigator who then is going to make a final decision on where you go. But you might not go where you've decided so you're thinking well somebody in these ranks isn't on our side. And then you're going to be arguing because all like well I gave them this choice and they didn't take that. After each navigation the lieutenant and navigator they're going to go off duty. And a captain has to find somebody sober enough uh, to take their spot. So everybody can discuss how the last navigation went, who's to blame. This game looks absolutely beautiful. It's played on a nice big chunky hex map. So all the seas are there. There's a beautiful looking uh, big boat in there called the Instable. Each player is also going to receive a, a character card at the start of the game. And so not only are you going to be in a certain faction, you'll be given certain roles to play. So it could be a peacemaker or a lookout. There could be all different roles that have an effect on how you play the game. While all this is going on, there's uh, the cult leader. He's going to try and perform cult rituals to gain different advantages. And he's also looking to try to convert other crew members into the cult. So, yeah, he'll be sort of like doing things and he's like, right, OK, and now your role will change and you'll then become one of the uh, the cultists. As I say, this game looks absolutely fantastic. Anybody who's a fan of the likes of Secret Hitler, Mafia de Cuba, Blood on the Clock Tower, this one could be right up your alley. It's got um, a basic pledge level uh, that's about £43. Or if you want, there's a deluxe version as well that's uh, £71. And that's going to give you some extra miniatures that are going to go onto your map. And it also gives you some nice chunky faction chips as well. The component quality look absolutely fantastic on this. There's a nice captain's logbook, which is a magnetic box with like a printed felt sheet inside. And that's going to contain all the different bits that get handed around. So this is doing really, really well. It's already funded. It was after 27,000, but it's already got 103,000. There's still eight days to go. So that one should be coming to an end on Wednesday, November the 18th. So I hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank Caitlin and her ugly assistant father, Peter, for their insight when it comes to gaming with kids. And I'd also like to massively apologise again for making you guys miss out last week. Like I say, there are a lot more plans in the pipeline, so hopefully you'll forgive me anyway. Cheers, guys. Hopefully see you next week, and make sure you stay happy and healthy. Thank you.
Thank you.